Greetings, friends, and welcome to episode seven of Singing Scientist. This is an episode that I am very excited to share with you. I think it's really something special. Um, a few weeks ago, I began listening to a podcast called Relationship, <laughs> like shoot the shit about relationships. And um, the way that you spell it is actually with an exclamation point instead of an I at the end. So uh, when you see it, you actually kind of want to say relationship. <laughs> this is a really uh, great, unique podcast that I think serves a, an important purpose in the world. It's an LGBTQ look at traditional relationships and values. And so what they do is they highlight examples of inspiring same-sex couples, they discuss relationship issues, they interview people like the shirtless violinist and his boyfriend that was just on the podcast. Um, they talk about gay news, and they interact with listeners via listener questions. And, um, and what's more, this podcast is hosted by a really delightful married couple, Marco and Tony Critelli. They're hilarious, they're wise, and just a joy to listen to. And so this is a podcast that serves such a great purpose because we as LGBTQ people have so often had to make our own way in the world. And so it's such a resource to have this solidarity and this community that this podcast is creating. So I really recommend looking them up, and I'll give you their information in a second. Now, why am I talking about the Relationship Podcast? Well, over the last week, we connected with uh, the Critellis, and we were able to sit down and record a joint podcast, a conversation on the Bible and homosexuality. Because um, even people who are no longer religious, religion has influenced all of us. We've all been taught something, and it, it affects our lives. And so it's so important to talk about uh, these issues. Now, in particular, this focus of this podcast is on the so-called clobber passages in the Bible, the bullets, uh, the, the, the approximately six or seven verses or passages that are used to convince people that uh, being gay is a sin, that same-sex attractions and behaviors are, are always wrong, um, that they're not love, and that acting on them leads ultimately to the destruction of one's soul and going to hell. Um, is that true? Is that really what the Bible is saying? Is that the message of Jesus? Is that uh, the only truth that the Bible has to offer, or is there something deeper underneath the surface? That's what we talked about. And um, just listening back, I just loved our discussion, and I'm so excited that you're going to be a part of it and that they uh, allowed me generously to share this on my podcast as well. So look them up. This segment is a, is a chunk of uh, a smaller chunk within one of their episodes, but I'm sure that you'll be delighted to, to hear them and, and uh, hear their full episode as well. So that is the uh, Relationship Podcast. You can find them at Pod Relationship at Facebook and Instagram. You can email them your relationship questions at relationship at gmail.com. And uh, just look them up, the Relationship Podcast, on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, wherever you listen. All right, I think that's all I had to say by way of introduction. So thank you for joining me for this discussion on the Bible and homosexuality. Here it is. 
All right, so we are very excited to have our guest here with us today. Um, I've been really looking forward to this for uh, as long as the idea started to come together. <laughs> um, so with us today is Chase Nelson. The singing um, scientist himself. The singing scientist. <laughs> yes, Chase, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm just, I've been looking forward to this a lot. Yeah, us Likewise. too. Us too. So let's dive right in. Tell our listeners, why are you called the singing scientist? Well, it was actually a title that a friend of mine used for me uh, mm -hmm. many years ago, but I've always been interested in music. Um, I started studying saxophone in, in middle school, um, and then somewhere in my first years of college, I became interested in singing instead. Mm -hmm. um, and concurrent with that interest in music, I've also always been interested in biology and evolution and genetics. And so uh, he called me singing the singing scientist. And so <laughs> when I had an idea for a podcast... Um, I didn't want to limit myself to talking about science or, or singing or any of the topics I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, wow, what a perfect name for the, the podcast. Yes. So that's how that, that's how that came about. So, so bizarre. Which uh, saxophone did you play? Alto. So I played the alto saxophone oh. as well, and then I went to a performing arts high school as a vocal major. Oh yes, <laughs> I know. And one of one of the saxophonists at Oberlin, who was a saxophone major, like switched majors to vocal performance. Yeah. I think it's it's a common trajectory. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I played the alto saxophone for years for years and then um i finally wanted to go into high school to, to sing because i was mm. like i think this is what i like a little bit more yeah and then i kind of simultaneously did the both but um saxophone was my first instrument yeah yeah, yeah. me too that's awesome i love it so as you know um this week uh we are talking about so we're continuing our series on um outside influences and uh this topic is about um, the most difficult topic <laughs> of all usually you're not supposed to bring it up in polite conversation religion yeah oh. yeah and so the we brought, reason that yeah, we, brought we brought you on here for this um is because you have a very unique relationship with religion parts of it i think are not uncommon for a lot of gay people mm. uh especially um people living in um, let's just say not progressive cities yes um like where i grew up uh, and where you grew up um but also because you have this wonderful blend of like you said science and religion or spirituality, and we'll, we'll get into to that. But um, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about like your history with mm. religion, growing up, maybe some struggles, just sort of that um, that whole bit? Sure, yeah. Um, so I was I was raised in Holland, Michigan, one of the most conservative counties in uh, in the United States, um, and so I was raised in a very fundamentalist uh, Christian context. Um, the the community itself is is sort of Dutch Reformed, and I was raised in the Church of Christ, so I was taught lots of things like you must be baptized to be saved, and uh, it's a sin to use instruments in the worship service. You know, very legalistic uh, background, mm -hmm. and so that was my my morality, my spirituality was really built upon uh, built upon a um, a legalistic rules based. Uh, sort of guilt ethic of morality. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's that's how I grew up. And then, of course, I, re I started realizing I was having attractions to um, other members of the same sex at an early age, maybe between 11 and 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. Which is a religious experience all its own. <laughs> <laughs> Sp profoundly spiritual experience. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, of course, I had been taught, uh, you know, it was common to use the word fag or queer uh, and use gay as an insult 
adults mm-hmm. in in my uh, in my community, and so I realized that there was a struggle coming, um, and I I tried to sort of convince myself that maybe this was just a feeling of friendship that I was having, and um, but it didn't turn it did turn out that way, and uh, eventually I ended up. Um, it, it's a long, it's a long story, and I, I do have a podcast episode on you it called "Astral Lizard." It. It's so good. It I was, good. oh my we gosh, we were like literally like mesmerized by it. Like I was almost late for work. No, we were like, <laughs> we, and we wouldn't finish it because we were like, holy, I'm like, we wouldn't stop it. I should say wow. we had to finish it because we were like, this is. It's a little mind blowing what oh a gosh. person can go through, and you know, even my experience is mild compared to some. So you you can only imagine what people who have been rejected by their families go through, or who are maybe homeless. Mm-hmm. But um, in in brief, my my experience was um, I had I had sort of an experience of sexual abuse uh, by a church leader. And um, it ended up that I I was sort of forced to come out to my entire community, and um, after that process, I was uh, engaged in reparative therapy and ended up seeking out an exorcism for myself, um, and so it, it was a very wild, extreme journey. Mm. But at the end of it all, and you know, I think th- this is, by the way, sort of as a parenthetical remark, I think. Many of us have difficulty coming to terms with our own sexuality mm-hmm. um, because we're indoctrinated in what is indoctrination, but sort of a taught habit of thought, right? right. So we are all taught, um, if, if we're raised in a context like that, a fundamentalist context, that homosexuality is wrong and you can't possibly be a good person and be gay. And so even as a gay person, it took me so long, like a decade, to even really combat that and start mm. start questioning that premise. And so I think looking back and thinking about that, we, we can learn to have grace with people who, who struggle to accept us because they were indoctrinated too. They, were, they are victims just as we are, even though we can at the same time recognize that their ignorance causes us a whole world of hurt, right? right? And so there's got to be a balance uh, understanding that people can't change overnight, Mm-hmm. But um, because we didn't, right. or I didn't anyway. But um, but you know, there's there's always has to be this this balance of acceptance and trying to push for change. Mm-hmm. And I love that you bring that up because we've touched on that before. That you didn't almost word for word what you just said. Like you didn't come to terms with um, who you are overnight. Right. So to expect other people to do it um, really is not uh, appropriate. And not that you shouldn't fight for equality, love, acceptance. Exactly. You know, I, I avoid using the word tolerance because I, I kind of don't like that I have to be tolerated. Hate it, that word. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a bad smell, um, so you don't have to tolerate right. me. Um, but um, Much better to be celebrated. Right, exactly. Yes, yes. yes. That would be a nice goal. Um, <laughs> but, um, but also that, yeah, you have to understand the context that other people grew up in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, not that you shouldn't expect those things of, of them, not that you shouldn't develop healthy boundaries with them in the future as you become stronger in your sense of who you are, but that, but that sort of peppered in there or also existing in that space, allowing yourself to make room for sort of a, um, uh, what might appear to be dichotomous, but really when you look at it as complementary, is, is that other people have culture and history too. Right. Um, and, you know, we went into this uh, many episodes ago, but like you have to look at the propaganda that was going into the way people were thinking. You know, mm-hmm. homosexuals were pedophiles with a mental illness. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so you can't, like, if that's all people were taught, mm-hmm. you have to give them a little 
time. Exactly. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. And and ironically, actually, it was Philip Yancey, a Christian writer, has this book called Soul Survivor, mm-hmm. and his subtitle is How Unlikely Mentors Saved My Faith from the Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that because my story was similar in that it was sort of Jesus who saved my faith from the church. Mm-hmm. It was reading, actually reading some of the passages that are. Um, often used to clobber us or to to convince us that we're going to hell as mm-hmm. gay people. It was actually sitting down, reading that actual book, what comes before, what comes after, right. and everything surrounding it, that actually led me to uh, hear God say to me. I don't, you know, I don't. I hate it when people say God said something to me, mm-hmm. but what, that gave me a spiritual sense that you know what, Chase, you have a purpose, a God given purpose, and it. Um, and this struggle is a distraction from that. Mm-hmm. You have you have things to do in this life, and sitting around thinking about uh, the meaning of specific Greek words right. is not something you should do for your entire life. Right. And miss out on the goals that I'm supposed to achieve in this in this world, you know. And so, ironically, it can be um, entering into the text, entering into the Bible, entering into more, not less, of Scripture that mm-hmm. can sort of open your eyes to the truth of what it's actually saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that is part of what we're going to do uh, in these episodes. I mean, just buckle your seatbelts, you guys. This is like, <laughs> no, I, this, we are so excited because as Tony and I were talking before you even got here, we were saying like, he, like, this is like, you speak with such intelligence, like, and, 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 and in a, I fake really it very well. <laughs> I don't know how to do that sometimes. Right? Got a wallet full of five dollar words. Yes. Yeah. No, but it's like fantastic. But you, but it's also in a very uh, attainable way. Like oh. everything that you're saying is like very digestible. Like it's not as if you're saying something that's like talking down on anybody. It's like, a, and I'm a very black and white person. Like where I just like like it's just very like there and this is specific and this is what it is. Right. And you, and you do that so well, um, but in like a in a beautiful way. That's like, oh my god, I just learned something and I really like it. Oh. Like it's great. So. So we're so excited to have you here, and I I cannot wait to dive into all of this. Oh, the feeling is mutual. Thank you. <laughs> and I have to tell you that one of the things that I appreciate the most about your podcast, but also just your demeanor in general, um, is you're not trying to prove a point or disprove a point. You're trying to make space mm. for a conversation to occur. It's so important. I mean, like philosopher David Hume said, our what was it that our reason is the slave of our passion Mm -hmm. and we should really avoid. I mean, if you look at all different religions, um, religion, no matter what the assumption is or the prejudice is, is always used by a society to sort of affirm whatever they, whatever agenda they have. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's so easy, you know, for example, with, with homosexuality and, and LGBT persons, um, there is so much in the Bible regarding women, regarding slavery, regarding what you eat and what you wear that is ignored right. by the majority mm-hmm. whom it would affect. Mm-hmm. And yet when there are passages about a minority like us um, as gay people and those things get reinterpreted, you have to start asking yourself, okay, religion is not the source of this belief. Something else has to be. Right. Because if religion were the source of this belief, say that homosexuality is bad, then the same people would not eat pork, the same people would not do a whole list of things mm-hmm. that the Bible also forbids. But right? what do you think that is? Like, I personally, and this is the cynic in me, I find that it's hate. Like, I just find, like, it's up and out hate. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, But, I again, that's just me coming from a place that's like... 
<laughs> doesn't believe that there's a lot of good people that right. like do a lot of good things. But what do you think it is? Well, yeah, I think we do have humans have a propensity to hate um, in a way. Hate is taught. And so I really, I actually see the sexuality, fear. yeah, fear, really, it's fear-based, fear, fear mm-hmm. of the other, yeah. fear of someone who's different. And um, I th- there are at least two things that come to mind. One is that that provides us some status, doesn't it, mm-hmm. if there are others whom we can look down upon, right? And so if, I think everyone struggles with relevance, with mm-hmm. purpose, with meaning in their life. And so an easy out with that struggle is to blame everything on someone else or right. to da- put, put someone else down. Right. And sure. so that gives us some status and meaning. And so our favorite pastime becomes complaining over dinner about <laughs> other groups of people. Right. right. That, that's very much where I come from. Yeah. Um, and, and, but the other thing is that with sexuality, I see sexuality, uh, specifically homosexuality in the Bible sort of indissolubly linked with, um, with the acceptance of females in leadership mm-hmm. um, and, and the struggle for gender equality, because I see it as all stemming from this patriarchal sort of point of view where men are the leaders and women are not. And, and I think you'll see in, as you study some of the biblical passages that are used um, to clobber gay people that, that really what's underlying all of it is this uh, assumption that males need to be dominant. And if they engage in any acts that, um, you know, make them so-called effeminate. Mm-hmm. That is what is degrading to the male status. And right. so, and that's that's just mm. throughout all of the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, and it's obviously it's still the case today. Look I was going to say societally, it takes place every single day as well. Absolutely. And so those two I, those two issues, I don't think can really be separated. And so it's it's hate, but it's also holding on to this male dominant power, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think too, when you when you stop looking at a, a belief system or a behavior in a group of people, and you start looking at it on an individual basis, the people that I've met who are strongly opposed to homosexuality are people who are not walking their own truth. And mm. I don't mean to say that they themselves are are gay. What I mean is that there's a part of them that is jealous that you're strong enough to do something that gets such a heavy tide against it, and you're still able to stand. Right um, and there is a, uh, that's where a lot of the fear or the hatred comes from, is you're holding up a mirror and they don't like what they're seeing. Hey, I think there's definitely some truth to that, man. I mean, it's, if you're, if you're a middle class, white, straight person, male, mm-hmm. say, for example, and you're struggling for relevance and struggling to, to um, in our society, make enough money to get by or something, and you see some queer folk getting all the media attention. You know, it is, it's sort of jealousy, but it's also wanting to, wanting to be part of society and part of the world and what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you want to, it's almost like you want to capitalize on the controversy. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why, I mean, I think uh, your correlation between like homosexuals and women is the same thing that I have by way of homosexuals and black people yeah because i, I mean can you imagine being a black lesbian i mean <laughs> it's a woman like a like, woman oh like, my god! like it's just ridiculous and things like that it's like it's kind of the same argument that i always find that takes place I, or I, I guess the similarities that always take place is i find you know there was literally 
uh, propaganda that was put out that like made black people look animalistic and as mm-hmm. if they were going to jump out of trees in film. and yeah. rape your your white wives and things like and that daughters. as well and daughters mm-hmm. right. and all this other stuff whereas there were films that made gay people look like they were pedophiles and they were going to steal your sons and and lure them into the vans and things like that oh and, yeah and do all kinds of you know terrible things to them you know so i i find that those are very those are similarities and it all stems from the white male i just want to point that out <laughs> <laughs> i don't deny it <laughs> no, i don't deny it we we have been in charge of the message for a while for and sure. we're not doing a great job being good stewards of it right um so okay uh, should we dive into the verses? I got my snorkel on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need more than that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we're going to talk about what some people refer to as the six bullets. Um, and those are the six um, bullets in the chamber um, for the Bible verses that condemn, quote, quotes in the air, homosexuality. Um, before we talk about that, I just want to point out a couple of things that some people know, some people um, may need a, a, a reminder on, which is the Bible didn't start in English. Um, it has been translated. Newsflash. Yeah, it was translated many times. Relationship exclusive. Right. right, here. right. Um, and so there are parts about um, the history of translation that affect things, like how certain words are unknown and so they're interpreted, Mm -hmm. Um, that sometimes when you hold up multiple versions of the Bible, a single word change can make a huge difference, and we will cite some specific examples of that. Um, I think the key point for me um, is understanding uh, just uh, the word homosexual. So the word homosexual was coined in 1868. Now, for those of you who know how our calendar works, that means 1,868 (laughs) years after Jesus died, the word homosexual came into being. Um, So that's key. It's also important to note that the word homosexual did not first appear in the Bible until 1946. Mm -hmm. So think about if you go back to one of our first episodes or if you know your your gay history or if you want to just look it up, think about what was going on around that time for gay people. So having said that, is there anything else about the history that... That was agenda-driven right there. (laughs) (laughs) They can push theirs, I can push mine. Yeah, right? (laughs) I I think that's... That's a really great summary of the history of it. And of course, there, you know, before the word was invented, it could not have been in the text. Correct. Um, and I love Peter Gomez has this book called The Good Book mm-hmm. <laughs> about the Bible mm-hmm. and, and its history. And something he talks about, um, he says, the most common form of idolatry among Christians today is bibliolatry. Mm, I Isn't love that it. wonderful? I love mm-hmm. it. So it's, it's this moving away from a living, breathing, living God mm-hmm. who's changing and acting in the world and relevant to the moment and shaping culture into this man-made text with ink in one language at one time in history. And you know, you can't, you can't put other books on top of it because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the word of God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, really, it's, it's idolizing, it's worshiping a, a, an object, a physical object mm. Um, when you treat the Bible as if it speaks for itself, as if it's not limited by the language into which it was interpreted. And like you say, that the first time the uh, word homosexual was in, in an English translation was, was in 46 in the, I think, New Revised Standard Version. And mm-hmm. so um, 
It's just anytime you read something, you're interpreting it. Yep. Anytime you do. Um, you think about even maybe we're sarcastic with each other over a text with a friend. And I miss it half the time. <laughs> I can't even get texts from my friends right. <laughs> what about this word that sometimes translated homosexual in, in Corinthians and other, other um, books of the Bible? Are we really getting that right every time when it's not used anywhere else in the Bible? It's absent from other texts. It's, it's just much more complicated than some people w- who see things as black and white because that's comfortable, mm-hmm. but it's not the reality. Right. Well, I mean, it's the longest game of telephone ever, right? Like, right. It's, <laughs> but literally, it's literally the lo- like it's, it's it's ridiculous, and mm-hmm. that's something that um, has kind of like all, always bothered me by way of of of, of how. Um, because even with the Bible within itself, everything is up for interpretation, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. so you can go to different churches and end up um, hearing the same message be like completely delivered in com- like different ways, the entire message in different ways. Right. So how is it that we're taking this message of homosexuality and we're using this as a, a general fact throughout right. everything else like that that's just not fair it's right. just really it's just scary well it's like the you know the in Exodus 20 the 10 commandments thou shall not kill mm-hmm. really you sh- shall not kill anything mm-hmm. well you know then some translations have it as you shall not murder well that's very different mm-hmm. and so even things as simple and as straightforward as that will lead some people to become vegetarians, will lead some people to be pacifists, will lead others to say, no, it's just limited to murder. Even something so simple can be so complicated and can can generate so much disagreement. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, this issue would generate such disagreement as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go into the first one. So Genesis 19.5, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. Right, so we're not going to read the whole thing. Favorite but, bedtime story. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's put this a bit into context. So this is a story where um, Lot offers up his daughters to be gang raped instead of two men who are his guests and are listed in some versions as messengers of God and other versions as angels. Mm-hmm. So let's pause right there. Doesn't this already sound like a story that's about horrendous human behavior, rape, um, being just a bad group of people and not about being gay? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that um, sort of more liberal Christians such as myself um, sometimes get wrong is, you know, they try to say the Bible doesn't doesn't uh, view homosexual behavior as negative. And actually, I would say every time the Bible mentions homosexual behavior, it is negative. Mm -hmm. But it is also in the context of rape, promiscuity, exploitation. Idolatry, power. Yes, and and the Canaanite rituals Mm -hmm. and all sorts of things like that. And so, of course, it's going to be negative in those senses. And Mm -hmm. in fact, the Bible talks about heterosexual behavior negatively in many of the same contexts. Mm -hmm. And so you have context is absolutely key. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just that simple. And why should we expect you know, great spiritual truth to be any, any simpler than like second grade mathematics. You know, you have to think just a little bit um, (laughs) to get it right. And I don't think that we can expect otherwise. And so, yeah, of course, this is a context in which 
Um, there are messengers of God. Um, like you said, some people are, say it was angels. And um, Sodom and Gomorrah was just a filthy, exploitative um, culture and society. Mm-hmm. And actually, Ezekiel says that that was the mm-hmm. sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Ezekiel 16, 49, and 50, it says, um, Here was the sin of Sodom, that she and her daughters had pride, uh, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness, but they did nothing for the poor and needy. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of sounds like America, actually. <laughs> but um, I would say. But so that's that's what the Bible itself says was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And well, so, well, and the next line, too, I think is important, which is, they were haughty and did abominable things before me. Not they mm-hmm. had sex with men. Right. Abominable things, more than one thing. Right. <laughs> and therefore, I removed them when I saw it. Right. And so the question is, does this apply to loving, committed, consensual unions, uh, monogamous unions between two members of the same sex today? And Mm -hmm. when the solution to the gang threatening to rape these men, what was the solution in the text itself? Lot said, here, take my daughter instead. No, he Mm -hmm. became a pimp overnight. Like it was was just like out of nowhere. Like it was crazy. And so... We don't even know if we're talking about um, same-sex desires at all. Again, homosexual behavior is not the same thing as homosexual orientation. Mm-hmm. You can have homosexual behavior. Think about prison rape, for example. Right. right. You can have such behavior without the orientation, without same-sex attraction. And Ooh. so, obviously, we're not talking about same-sex attraction here. And... Um, and it's I, just really as simple as that, I think. It is, and I think a lot of what you'll see when we disarm these things as we go through, or maybe not even disarm, just as we try to discuss these things as we, as we go through, is that's the big key theme. That's the thing to take away is we're not talking about loving, monogamous, committed, uh, consensual, long-term, same-sex relationships and the development of a family. Right. Nowhere, and I think this is also key, nowhere is there a family of homosexuals. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. Nowhere in the Bible. No. There's also no pets in the Bible. Right. That's so, right. Does that mean... That's a good point. Those are prohibited. You know, silence on an issue is not its condemnation. <laughs> right. Correct. Right. I Correct. know, especially when you're using things like uh, homosexual sex as a means of power, right? Like those right. types of things like that, like is, is completely different. Well, and that was the context. That yeah. was the Jewish context is that this was a common practice to humiliate people, especially right. in that patriarchal society. Right. And so when, when a male was raped by a male, they could no longer be leaders in the military. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a, a swath of issues and, and problems that, that were associated with the act of raping another right. man. And nothing to do with same-sex attraction or what we mean by it today. Right. And, the, you know, we're talking Old Testament right now, but later on in the New Testament, this is, this is sort of a sidetrack, but I think it's worth mentioning now. Um, there are four words in Greek for, for love. Mm-hmm. And C.S. Lewis has this wonderful, uh, one of my favorite books called The Four Loves, that it, where he explains each of them. So there's uh, affection, like for your hometown, f- f- affection for familiarity, mm-hmm. for, for well-known things. There's friendship. There's eros, which is uh, being in love or sexual desire. And then there's charity or agape, selfless love. Mm-hmm. Do you know that the word eros, the word that, that is used for being in love, for romantic love, is used zero times right. in the Bible? Right. That When I learned that, I was just baffled. Mm-hmm. I thought, the Bible not once 
talks about being in love with someone mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because we just use love for everything. You know, I love my iPhone. Right. <laughs> we use that. Preach. We have the same word <laughs> for all of these right. myriad but meanings. But they didn't. They did not. Yeah. And they never addressed it. Yeah. And I think that is so important because if you take nothing away from any of this, like we're not talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. When when we're talking about abominations, when we're talking about condemnation, <laughs> we're not talking about loving, healthy, committed, consensual relationships. Right. We're talking about idolatry. We're talking about prostitution. We're talking about rape. We're talking about thievery. We're talking about all these other right. things. And if someone thinks that there's a deeper connection to any homosexual behavior, well, then they're going to have to draw out that logic because it's not there in the text itself. Correct. Right? And if they're right, which they may be, you know, who knows? I could always be wrong about anything. Mm-hmm. But if someone's right about that, they're going to have to show why. Yeah. Because this is Critically. clearly not Critically. what we're talking about Yeah. Now. You mm. can't tell me that that's what it is just because you say it is. Show, right. Like, I am having a critical, empirical discussion with you right now. Mm-hmm. So please do me the favor of having the same. And mm. I have to I have to say that, and this is my limited experience, but I have to say that I have never been able to have one of those conversations with someone who disagreed with me on this. Very difficult. Very rare. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's move on to Leviticus, one of the stronger ones. Um, 18, 22, and 21. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And if a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, not to sort of reiterate the same things, but you can't ignore the connotations of adultery, promiscuity, and idol worship from the other text around it. Um, again, the important thing to realize is this is not about love. Um, I would like to share with you some of my other favorite Levitical laws <laughs> that we have decided we're I not going to. I prepared those too. Yeah. Yeah. You go, to, you go yeah. first. <laughs> so I'll just give you a sample of some of my favorites that maybe you'll recognize as behavior that you are engaging in. Um, or, or things that are not weighted any differently in the text, but we might all agree are sort of preposterous or not necessary. Um, not fundamental moral truths. Correct. Correct. <laughs> right. right. And perhaps things that aren't even in practice at all. I have never been to a religious um, event of any kind where uh, you include salt in an offering to God. But Leviticus 2.13 says you have to. Have you ever been to? I've never no, seen salt. I... I've seen salt in Wiccan uh, <laughs> oh, uh, practices, yeah. but I've never seen it as an offering to God in any of the Christian faiths or any other faiths that I've gone to. Have you? No, not okay. Salt? I don't think so. Um, so you can't. No, eat, I can't think of it. You can't eat fat because fat is supposed to be part of the sacrifice for God as well. That's three seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, any wrongdoing that you witness and you fail to testify against. That is, um, that's Leviticus 5.1. If you see something, say something. Right. The, M- the MTA is trying to follow the Bible. Yes. Um, so we, a lot of us know this one, eating any animal which does not chew cut and has a divided hoof, right? 11.4 to 7. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you ever had bacon or ham or Oops. spare ribs or prosciutto or sausage? Straight to hell! Bacon's my favorite. <laughs> no, the, the pork issue is... is Especially important, I think, because that is listed as an abomination mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Like right. a, an actual abomination. Right. Like that's the thing. Like literally, like you eating pork is 
grounds for not getting into yeah. heaven. And this is why Orthodox Jewish people will have two separate ways of preparing different dishes because those things can't, one, there's things you can't have, but two, there's things that can't touch each other mm-hmm. or can't be eaten at the mm-hmm. same time. Right. So there's a ton. But Leviticus throughout, I'm not going to cite all of them, but Leviticus throughout goes on to say you also can't have crab, lobster, a bunch of different birds, and you can't touch them either. Certain rodents, bats, lots of lizards, an arachnid, any snake. Um, uh, there's a ton more. So my favorite is, one is trimming your beard. I just I got yes, tell you that's that. yes, long that is beards a good one. all the way around. Yes, please. exactly. <laughs> but so what this means is that um, any scientist or anyone who works at a zoo is going to hell. And I'm sorry to tell you that, but you're all going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you are damned. You're you're done. Yeah, um, you're done. Rob Bell just came out with this great. Uh, I'm not familiar with all of it yet, but um, this great commentary on Leviticus. <laughs> he put it so uh, succinctly. He said, if Leviticus tells us anything, it is that details matter. <laughs> and he didn't use this example exactly, um, but it's like, it's like queer eye or something. It's right. like how, you know, wearing this clothes with that clothes, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And trimming your beard that way, not your best look, honey. Right. And so... Really, if you look at the context, like if you read the beginning of Leviticus 18, what does it say? God is speaking to the people of Israel and saying, you're not going to do, you're not going to follow the statutes, the ordinances. Those are the, that is the translation of the words. You're not going to follow those of the land of Egypt or the land of the Canaanites. You are going to have your own cultural identity. And this is called the holiness code. This is the details, clearly. I mean, read Leviticus. It's like a snooze fest Mm -hmm. um, of details. (laughs) Right. but this is your code, the ordinances that you're going to follow to make you um, a unique uh, society as the Israelites. And then it's clearly all tied in to the pagan religious practices that, they want, that God wants the Israelites to be different from the Canaanites. For example, I mean, right before it says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman, it says, you shall not give any of your offspring to sacrifice them to Molech and so profane God. Next sentence, you shall not lie with a male as a woman. So it's, it's all tied in with the ritual practices. Mm-hmm. Also, I would, no, I would note that it says you shall not lie. It doesn't say you shall not have sex with another male. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. A male shall not have sex with a male. It seems to me that that would be the most easy way to say it. Mm-hmm. But what it says is you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. Mm-hmm. That's a little different, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And what's the point again? The point is the patriarchy. You shall not bring down the status of another male by penetrating them. Mm -hmm. So again, it's it's all so clear if you look at the context Mm -hmm. of of the of the holiness code. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Um, So here's uh, my my other three favorites um, that I just have to bring up because I think they are some very common behavior. Um, So. You cannot withhold the wages of an employee overnight. So everyone in America, that's it, because we all get we typically don't get paid daily. We get paid weekly, biweekly, monthly, whatever. Mm. So there we go. Everyone's going to hell. Right. Um, and not standing in the presence of the elderly. Mm. Another good one, right? Nineteen thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then twenty-nine, cursing either parent, which is punishable by death. Mm-hmm. So if you get frustrated with your parents. <laughs> Kind of a common oh, experience. Well, I'm totally going. <laughs> so, it's yeah. It's just it's very clear that um, if there if people are going to abide by or prescribe to some of these 
statutes. You have to do it to all of them. Well, you have to do it to all of them, or if you, you have to explain very explicitly what's your filtering criteria for right. determining which you're going to follow and which you're not. And oh, isn't it interesting that the ones you've chosen to still accept are the ones that apply to the 3% of us who are gay. Right. <laughs> and and the, the ones you dismiss are the ones you enjoy engaging in. Yourselves daily. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so self-serving. It's yeah. sad. You yeah. know, um, and it, it really is pitiable to be, to see people in a state where they've deluded themselves. And I'm not, I'm try, not trying to say that to be condescending, but um, it does take some great mental gymnastics mm. to uh, condemn us as gay people um, while not looking at the context, but then explaining away absolutely everything else. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to Romans. Um, I, this is my favorite. Yes, it's, it's another. It's another really good one. Yes, um, and it's it's often the one that is associated most with causing harm. Even though I don't think it's the one that is worded the most strongly, mm-hmm. um, but it is the one that is most often used. So Romans one twenty six through twenty seven. For this reason, God gave them up to degrading passions. Their women exchanged natural intercourse for unnatural, and in the same way also the men giving up natural intercourse with women, were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Mm-hmm. So again, context, right? This is idolatry, promiscuity, prostitution. This is about lust. In fact, almost all of Romans 1 is about Lust as an expression of idolatry. Mm. And you have to look at the whole thing. You can't pull out one piece and not look at the context that it's in. This is about lust that involves serving your own desires rather than worshiping God. And there is a list of things that people are doing. It's not just having, it's not just by virtue of it, having sex with someone of the same sex as you. Mm-hmm. It's just not that. So... Romans 1 actually has a very special place in my heart because reading uh, Romans 1 and, and the rest of Romans was probably the final nail in the coffin of me refusing to accept myself as a gay person. It was actually, it was reading Romans that um, I felt, oh my gosh, this isn't me. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about my story, like, you know, gay kid was raised in the church. Um, he, he realizes around 11, 12 or 13 years old that he's attracted to other guys, spends the next decade trying to follow God's will by changing his sexual orientation, by going to therapy, by fasting, by praying, meditating, going to an exorcism and is plunged into despair because it doesn't work. Is that the story that's being told in Romans? Right. And so when I read Romans, it says, you know, even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks. They did not recognize God. They rejected God. And it also talks about worshiping four-footed animals and creatures. So Mm -hmm. there there is like literal ritual idolatry Mm -hmm. being addressed as well. But the whole point is that, that human, we sometimes have a propensity to evil or to hate, like we were saying earlier. And that as a result of giving themselves over to this, they became evil. In all these ways, one of them was, was the, uh, the homosexual behavior that you mentioned. But then I think, wow, when I read that, that's not me. Mm-hmm. I've tried to follow God for 10 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was the most liberating experience I've ever had, mm. perhaps. 
And so I actually love Romans. Hmm. And, and especially if you go on, I mean, you know, it, again, I'm going to advocate for reading more of the Bible, not less. Right. What does Romans 2, chapter 2, begin with? Therefore, you all have no excuse, whoever you are, when you judge others. For in passing judgment on them, you condemn yourself because you are doing the very same things. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that... God juxtaposed that. It's delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> so please read more of the Bible, not hmm. less. Um, and I I love, I mean, again, Jesus is my greatest spiritual inspiration. Mm-hmm. And it is Jesus who has saved my faith from what we call the church now, because the church is just so political and agenda-driven, and this is one of those verses that, that is used for that agenda, mm-hmm. that it's just so unfortunate. Yeah. Mm. And then if you want to get even further, like if you want to get into the actual details, what are the words being used here in Greek? Well, it's against nature. In Greek, that's physine. Phesine, sorry, um, is the word for nature. And so elsewhere in the New Testament, um, it's, it's said that, what is it? Does not nature itself, this is 1 Corinthians 11, does not nature, phesine itself, same word, does not nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is degrading to him? Well, I think some Christians have long hair today, too. So, again, we're talking about... No more man buns. No. <laughs> man, man buns are the worst abomination. In my... Nature itself has taught me that. So, again, um, be consistent. Why are you choosing to, to stick with one and not the other when both are clearly cultural phenomena, ordinances, statutes... And then you keep reading in the New Testament, especially Acts 10 and 15, where the Jews finally give up their ordinances for the Greeks. You know, they, they have, a, have a council and they say, you know what, they don't have to follow this stuff. What are, what are we as Jews known by? Circumcision and our dietary practices. Those are probably the biggest things. Right. And what are the things to go when they all decide, they have a revelation from the Holy Spirit that the Greeks don't have to follow this stuff anymore. What don't they have to follow? They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to eat this stuff. It's so beautiful because, as it says in Galatians, there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, male nor female in God. We're all equals. And so that is the message of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And they're missing it. It's such a beautiful picture and so apropos to our culture right now, by Mm -hmm. the way. And, um, And subversive. You think about Jesus. He was so liberal, they killed him. Mm -hmm. I can't think of another religion where, well, I'm not that well-versed, but is is any other religion have a leader who, who was murdered by the community from which he came? He was that liberal. Right. Right. And I think it's important to... Well, we're, we're going to get into that more because I think for now, we're going to take a break and we're going to continue this conversation uh, next week. Next week, yes. Okay. Please join us next week where we are going to continue speaking with the singing scientists. Oh, I can't wait. About we're going to finish these uh, last uh, three verses, and then we're also going to talk about... How it relates to relationships and how religion has kind of... Um, I don't know, ruined gay relationships. Oh man, <laughs> sure have made it hard, hasn't yeah. it? Has made it a little challenging, and yeah. so we're going to do this. But before we go, Chase, please tell our listeners where they can find you on social media, and then also um, where they can listen to your podcast because you guys, it is so, so incredible. Good. Oh my so gosh, good. thank you so much. Yeah. No, th- I'm just again very grateful for this opportunity to be on your podcast. Um, as for me, uh, I have a podcast, Singing Scientist. It's available on on everything iTunes. 
iTunes, Google Play, Android, whatever. Um, and my Instagram singing underscore scientist is where you can, I, I'm post when I have a new episode. And then also I have a blog and a website with a bunch of other stuff, chasewnelson.com. Oh, and, and I would say, too, one other thing is that I've been preparing um, to write a book for some time called No Place to Lay Your Head, which is sort of a spiritual nourish- nourishment for gay Christians, mm-hmm. gay people who, are, who grew up Christian. And so maybe in a year or two, that'll start taking shape. That's amazing. Wonderful. Let's, Looking we'll have forward to, have to you, it. Yeah, we'll have to have you back when, when you release it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm going to need a signed copy. Yeah. Light a fire under me. Yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> you are absolutely incredible, and this has been such a pleasure on our end. The feeling is mutual. Um, we're so looking forward. So we're going to take that break, um, and then we'll be back because we've got some listener situations for you all. Yes. <laughs>